Welcome to Success Hackers, Cracking the Entrepreneurial Code, the podcast that's focused on empowering entrepreneurs to find the edge and take their business to a whole nother level. We're peeking behind the curtain to learn entrepreneurial shortcuts and success strategies from the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Get ready for mind-blowing entrepreneurial tips with your host, high-performance business coach, keynote speaker, and author, Scott Hansen. Showtime in three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of Success Hackers. This is your host, Scott Hansen, high-performance business and marketing strategist, best-selling author, speaker, and of course, your podcast host right here on Success Hackers. Hacker Nation, we have a really awesome, awesome, awesome guest with us today. Stay tuned because trust me when I tell you, you are going to want to take some notes when we bring on this guest because she's all about the art of communicating. And before I do, I just wanted to uh, share something kind of personal. Um, We've, uh, a lot of great things are happening within my business and my personal life and and all that, but... um, I think it's important to have perspective in life and business. There's going to be some days when, you know, you don't feel like getting up and getting out of bed and going out and crushing it and hammering it and making things happen. And and it took me a long time to realize that everybody needs one of those days to just kind of chill, right? We all want to climb our success mountain and go after it, but there's going to be times when we sometimes need to just reflect. And, um, and that was one of the days I had last week uh, going through some personal things with my own life. Um, that I'll share with you at a different time, but it's okay, right? It's okay to take a time out for one day and just uh, maybe reflect or write your, your your thoughts on a piece of paper and then go out tomorrow and go out and crush it. So that was my little quick kind of tidbit for everybody listening today that uh, sometimes we need that time out day so that we can re- refresh and re-energize ourselves and then go after it tomorrow. So, oh, and by the way, I have something brand new that I want to share with all you business owners probably around the, uh, around the halfway mark, so make sure to stay tuned to the entire podcast episode. If you want to write into the show, the email is info at successhackers.net. I read all my emails. If you actually write in the show and, at, and say, Scott, I would love for you to ask one of your esteemed guests this question. If I read that on the air, I will actually give you and your business name a plug. So that, in, uh, that email is info at successhackers.net. All right, Hacker Nation, let's get down to business. Our featured guest today is going to share with us how to be better communicators to our team, to our clients, and basically just to everybody that we interact with. Today, our featured guest is Jill Schiffelbein. Jill, are you ready to rock? I am so ready. All right, all right. Jill Schiffelbein is an award-winning entrepreneur, author, and recovering academic. She taught (laughs) business communication at Arizona State University for over 11 years before venturing into entrepreneurship. Jill's business, The Dynamic Communicator, helps organizations increase sales and create consumer advocates. Jill runs the Dynamic Accelerator program, helping solo and micro entrepreneurs accelerate business growth. Her new book, which just came out, is called Dynamic Communication, 27 Strategies to Grow, Lead, and Manage Your Business which again is in stores right now. Jill, welcome to Success Hackers. It's really great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. And I love what you said at the beginning about a personal day. For me, last Friday was actually mine and I ended up binge watching Madam Secretary and crocheting on my couch a lot of the day, but it did what I needed it to do. 
when I coach my business owner clients, you know, I'm one of those guys that is like, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's 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 have a great day, let's let's really you know crush it and make things happen. I be- that and I believe in that too, but I I do believe we need all need a timeout. Uh, like you, you know, for me it was uh, it was just going to the library, believe it or not, just kind of getting some books and doing some old school reading. And for you, it was crocheting. Amazing. <laughs> it, it was crocheting. I know. I'm like this 90 year old woman. It's great. <laughs> So tell us, what is the Dynamic Accelerator program and how does it help business owners? So this program, it's my new baby, actually. And I came from the academic world, as you said in the intro, you know, 11 years. And I kind of miss having a class, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't want to go back in that rigid, structured environment. So this program, it's basically a, it's a membership program. You come in and every Monday I am on live, of course, recorded. If you can't tune in live, giving you an actionable strategy that you can use step-by-step goals that you can meet during a single week. And I'm a big believer in the consistent small steps that we make over time really grow a business. I'm not talking about let's 10 times your business a month or anything like that. It's what's actually sustainable for mere mortals. I love it. So what made you, uh, what made you make the switch? You said uh, 11 years, Arizona state, you're probably doing really well and being highly touted. I would imagine in the academic world, I mean, 11 years is a long time and I'm sure you had all kinds of uh, wonderful things going on in your, I call it in your corporate life. What made you make the switch? Quite frankly, I don't have three magic letters, PhD behind my name. And so no matter how many millions of dollars, dollars literally I brought into the university, I had hit my ceiling at the age of 28. And that's really not that inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get the itch? I mean, a lot of us, you know, we have our fourth or fifth beer at night and you were conquering the world. We say, man, we should open up our own business. And there you are 11 years in, you don't have your PhD, but was there a specific moment that you said, damn it, I'm going to do this and make a right turn? You know, what was interesting is I actually had planned to start my business right after graduate school. When I was in graduate school, I got my first corporate client and I'm like, I'm going to do this. But then through a mix of things and me being a tech geek and they needing online education experts, I just kind of found myself presented with this very lucrative full-time job offer. And, you know, when you're 24 and you have a full-time job and benefits and salary staring at you in the face, it's kind of hard to say, forget that. I'm just going to go off on my own. So it was a, a little detour that I didn't anticipate, but quite honestly, it taught me more about management, leadership, and understanding the egos involved with people than I ever would have learned on my own. And wouldn't you agree, Jill, uh, really quickly before we really dive into your content and some of your book stuff, it's amazing to me. I think a lot of people that are listening right now, they're either in in their business, they somehow landed in their own business, whether they took it over from their dad or they started from this, you know, started from scratch, or they actually made the leap like you and I did from the corporate space mm-hmm. and we built our bridge over to the entrepreneurial world. And then there's some people listening saying, I want out of these you know, I want out of these shackles. I want to go from the corporate world to owning my own business. What did you learn besides what you just shared, which I think is important, um, some of the strategies and lessons you learned in the corporate space? If someone's listening saying right now, I want to go from A to B, A is corporate, B is to owning my own business, what's one little success hack strategy that you can share with that person that helped you go from, from, from that wanting and wishing to actually making it a reality? Everything that you're doing now, whether you realize it consciously or not, is actually a good skill that you can take into entrepreneurship. And some of us, we go about our day-to-day routines without 
recognizing what we are able to do and what we have built and what we have fostered. And once you take that leap, so many of those lessons are going to come back. So I encourage you to look at your day-to-day routine and see what you're doing that seems normal to you, but may not be normal to the other, you know, 100 million some people that you could serve and realize that what you do is special and stop doubting that. That's the biggest thing. Hacker Nation, again, if you're in that boat and you want to go from what you're doing now and, and starting your own business to Jill's exact point, that's exactly what happened to me. I thought you had to kind of be branded as a business owner or an entrepreneur, you know, right when you were born. And the reality of it is, is that a lot of times there are people that go from you know, five years old, 10 years old to 15 years old, then they start these other businesses and they're a quote unquote born entrepreneur. And then there's people like me and Jill that said, as we're going through things, it's like, well, this isn't, this is not what I was meant to do. I learned a lot of skill sets over here in the corporate space, but man, I'm going to take this and apply it to, uh, to the entrepreneurial world. Yeah. And the other thing is, no matter what industry you're in right now, that may not be the industry that you serve. I mean, I was in higher ed. And even though a lot of my initial clients came from higher ed, the lessons that I learned in that industry are applicable in many others. So don't narrow your thinking. I love that. So as you know, Jill, I coach business owners outside of the podcast. That's my that's my business is coaching business owners to scale and get to the next level of success. I, I work with them. Um, like I said, getting to that next level. In your book, Dynamic mm-hmm. Communication, 27 Strategies to Grow, Lead, and Manage, again, is now available to purchase. And Hacker Nation, will actually have that link at the end for you to grab. It's something that you definitely want to grab. But can you give us maybe two ways, just two ways in which business owners maybe need to start looking at their business in order to grow? What's one? Just maybe two things. One of the biggest things right now is in this information democracy that we live in, we have more access to information than ever before, but yet so many of us in our businesses are still producing content and marketing that is aimed at information. And there's this huge gap between information and knowledge. So as a business owner, if you are trying to actively grow your business, get new eyeballs on what you're doing, you have to figure out how your content, how your marketing can actually fill that gap. No one gives a hoot about your feedback. Features, your three one-hour sessions, or this is our strategy caller, blah, 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 and all those methodology things that you know we as entrepreneurs rightfully are proud of, but no one really cares because people come to you with a question. If you can help them answer that question, you can get a client or at least get a content share. And in this world, you have to know that people don't make buying decisions based on information. They only make those buying decisions if they are thinking in terms of knowledge of how something will change their current condition. But yet so many of us are still in this old school marketing mindset. So let's 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 peek behind the curtain a little bit. Um, So I know you do a lot of and you've shared a lot of YouTube content creation. I mean, that's one of your Mm -hmm. specialties is actually on YouTube, which is second most used search engine. Of course, they're owned by Google. So what's something you can leave with our with our audience today? You know, with that consistency over time is Absolutely key. I started a video series in 2012. After a year, I released one per week for a year. After that, I had about 60,000 views and I was ticked and most people would be thrilled. Very long story short, I decided that was a channel I needed to be in. So you need to pick your channel and then be freaking consistent with it. I geeked out. I learned what I could behind the scenes. I'm now at Uh, close to 800,000 views, syndication deals on multiple networks, and it ended up in the book deal. I just came out. It's 
because I stuck with one channel instead of jumping ship to ship, fad to fad. And so no matter what that channel is, pick it and be consistent with it. So if someone is saying, okay, yeah, YouTube is where I want to be playing, give us maybe a secret sauce. Give us one of the things that besides being consistent, is it something mm-hmm. that you that you ahead of time said for the next 52 weeks, I'm going to share a three to five minute video in my kitchen around these topics is that kind of how you did it did it and then is the second part to that is okay now that you've laid out the tracks if you will for the next 52 weeks and what you're going to talk about was there a specific way that you um, marketed that because because listen at the end of the day mm-hmm. I could say right now okay I'm going in my business I'm going to share something on Facebook for 52 weeks in a year or on YouTube or on Twitter or whatever that's one thing but to get people to comment, and to view like you've been able to do, what's kind of the secret sauce around that? So I think so many of us have good content. So number one, I just have to say it, it's obvious, but you better darn well believe in your content. I'm saying you are so proud that you would put this up against any other content out there. So you need to believe in it first. And if your content is not that good, then take it off and make something that is. That may sound harsh, but it's true. There's enough crap out there. We don't need more crap. We need more good quality content. Once you do that, have your plan. For me, it was uh, 52 videos once a week for a year. That was the initial strategy. Uh, My strategies now are different because I have syndication things, so I don't do it as much for my business directly, but changes the model. But pick whatever strategy to stick with it, and then here's what you need to do. For every single video you put out there on YouTube, it's not about the initial marketing of it, the shares on social media, the whatever. It's how findable are you after the fact? So years and years later, I mean, five years from the release of the first video, it will be in this September coming up. September 17 will be five years from the time I released the first one. I'm still getting tens of thousands of views a week on my channel on this older content because it's findable. So you need to know your keywords. You need to implement those in your title in your unique description and in what I call a universal description. That universal description needs to be put in each and every single video on your YouTube channel. And then you need to let people know what are the three to five questions that each video answers. And there's another prime way Mm -hmm. to put keywords in because how you get found in any search engine, but especially YouTube and YouTube now, just for context, 62% of all Google searches in the front page, if there is a video tied to it, it's going to be there. And 80% of all of those videos are, are drawn from YouTube. So this is a place where you need to have content, but you need to make it findable by computers. It's not making sexy titles for humans. It's making titles and descriptions and questions that computers can read. If your listeners are interested, I actually have a a free podcast or not podcast, sorry, a free webinar that I did about YouTube hacks on conceptualizing a video series and these things plus other variables that you can absolutely share with your listeners. I will email you that link and you can put it with the show notes. How's that, everyone? <laughs> awesome. There you go. Hacker Nation, I'm actually going to put where this free webinar, this YouTube success hacks is going to be on the show notes at successhackers.net. And then you can just type in, uh, you can just type in Jill's name. <laughs> well, Scott, if I can say one more yeah, thing please. about uh, YouTube or content, wherever people are at, you know, I chose YouTube as a main channel, choose whatever you want. But here's a deal. And I'm going to steal a phrase from a guy who I admire the hell out of. His name is Jay Bear. He's a freaking smart dude. And he says, you should never build your empire on rented land. Which basically means if I'm counting on YouTube as the main place where I'm going to capitalize, that's rented land. 
So you need to always have a place to drive people back to, number one. But then number two, if you are going to, quote unquote, rent land from somebody, you better spend the time to understand the rules of engagement within that system. It's just like I live in New York City. You move into a new apartment community or a condo building. There are different amenities. There's different rules. There's different HOA type guidelines. And you have to learn them every time you move into this new piece of real estate. And the digital world is no different. Each platform, each channel has its own rules, its algorithms, you know, all those things that if you learn them and take the time to do it instead of saying, oh, crap, I need to be here. Let me throw some content up. You're actually going to make it work for you in the long run. But most people fail at doing that pretty miserably. Well, and, and Hacker Nation, again, I, I think to piggyback off what Jill's saying is, is simple. Whenever you get real sex, whenever you get real excited about a new leads generation potential, a la whether it's YouTube, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, and pick any social media. What happens most of the time, these are people that I coach to. These are more traditional business owners. They say, Scott, do I need to be in, uh, in the YouTube channel? And then we figure out yet whether or not they do. Or do I have to be in Twitter or Facebook? Here's what happens most of the time. Is they'll try something for a month or two and say, well, I'm not getting the results that I want. Is it wasting my time? And then they go back to their old way of driving business. Maybe it's the phone. Maybe it's email. Maybe it's networking. Whatever it is. Hacker Nation, if this is you, if you've quote unquote tried something, you have to give it a consistent amount of time. You have to at least let it roll for 12 months. And like Jill talked about, there's nuances, there's technicalities, there's things that you don't know about. Some of the things that are needed on the back end, a la keywords and making sure they're in the title and then throughout your video, etc. Those are little itty bitty things that make a big difference. So I would just suggest that whatever platform you want to play in, maybe that's outside of your normal thinking, you got to give it 12 months. Would you agree, Jill, at least? At least. And it's... It's really important too. If you're looking at video, a lot of people have come to me lately and said, you know, my videos get way more views on Facebook. Why am I even bothering on YouTube? Well, number one, because of the stats I shared earlier, those are proven facts on where Google drives data from, no surprise. But number two, views are one of the worst vanity numbers you can get. A Facebook video counts a view after three seconds. A YouTube video does it after 30 seconds. So if you're thinking you're actually getting those 500, 5,000 views on Facebook videos, you're you're deluding yourself, number one. It's completely a vanity number. Judge the success of any video, especially on Facebook, with the shares and the comments. If you look at the holy grail of engagement, if you will, a view is uh, or an impression is kind of like, eh, doesn't really matter. I mean, it's a metric, but that's about it. A like is good. A content is better. But a share is the holy freaking grail in the social world. That's what you need to be after with your content. From the communication guru that you are, Give us uh, give us one or two strategies on how someone can either pr- be a better presenter, uh, whether that's in front of a prospect, in front of a, a, an owner, whether it's fr- whether it's in front of a client, whatever that is. You said that there's 27 strategies to grow, lead, and manage your business. Maybe just one or two that you can share with our listeners. I know they're going to want to go out and grab the book, but right here for this for the show, what's maybe one or two things that you can share on how to really elevate their game when it comes to proposals or whether they're on stage or whatever it is that you want to share. Number one is stop comparing yourself to any other speaker. Let's talk first about like speaking at a bigger platform, maybe an open meeting or a public event. Stop comparing yourself to others and trying to fit yourself into their box because you will fail that way. What you need to do is figure out your own strengths, weaknesses, and play those up. 
people believe in transparency and authenticity, and even though those are buzzwords right now, they are true. And with all the stuff that's out there, being real and being human is what will get you to relate. So that's number one. Number two is figure out again, not what information you need to provide, but how you can help your audience come to knowledge decisions on their own. The Common cliche says people support what they create, but it's entirely true. And especially if you're going for sales presentations, small meetings, etc., you want people to come up with the ideas that you are trying to sell them on on their own, even though you're leading them in that direction. When people feel agency and efficacy in a decision, they again are more likely to act on it. And they have come up with an idea of how your service or product will work and apply in their world. And that's something you have to co-create. A lot of people, especially consultants, have the tendency, um, software sales, product sales tend to push, this will work in your environment and here's why X, Y, and Z instead of helping people come to that conclusion on their own. So from a communicative perspective, instead of pushing information, getting them to come to those conclusions is really where you're going to start to have the best type of dialogue, which leads to decisions. Well, let me ask you, let, let me let me stay on this for a second because there's some people out there listening saying, you know what? It's hard enough to get into the decision maker. I have to go through the gatekeeper. I have to do a drip campaign, whatever it is that my listeners are doing for a for marketing purposes or touch base calls or whatever it is that they're doing in their own business. They're saying, listen, I finally get the opportunity to sit in front of a decision maker. And here I am listening to Jill saying, well, I have to ask the right questions so that they, the prospect, basically formulates uh, with me. Um, a decision to make so that it benefits them as the business owner. But if they're saying, well, how do I do that? I mean, that's, that sounds great. But literally when I'm in the, when I'm in front of some, someone, or when I'm sitting down at a table with someone, I get like 15 minutes of their time, 20 minutes of their time. I can only ask so many of the right questions in order for them to get either a second meeting or for them to close the deal. Can you expound on that a little bit? So that someone's listening saying, how do I do that? What would you share back to them? Sure. Number one, be your reconnaissance. You should not be asking anyone at the decision-making level, C-suite level, basic information about their business that you can find out through other channels. The only reason to do it would be to get a different perspective on it. But if you're asking those rudimentary questions, you're wasting your time and his or her time, plain and simple. You need to understand what the pain points are that keep this executive, this decision-maker up at night. Because even if you have information and data on things that are happening in an industry or in a business, most likely they already have that information. So you need to better assess and ascertain the pain points that this executive, this decision maker is going through at the time and then cater the discussion that you have around that pain point and what struggles are being faced. Because when you can alleviate someone's pain, they are more apt to side with you. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely love that. And that's so true. So true. Let's shift gears. I want to, I want you to get vulnerable with us for a minute. Can you do that? Oh, without question. So I believe that all high performers and successful individuals look at failure a little bit differently than most people. They use what I call failure as feedback and course correction. So take us to a time, Jill, when you failed. One time, one specific time when you remember this vividly. You almost maybe want to even give up, but you actually use that one failure as fuel to your success fire. You know, this is actually, I'm going back to my academic days. I had just taken over uh, starting up a whole entire online education infrastructure within the largest university in the country. And at the time, for context, I am a 26-year-old female. So you can 
imagine what it's like to be in that situation surrounded with 50 year old plus academics, mainly male. And there was a mandate that came up from above from someone, uh, you know, the provost at the university that said we need X number of online degree programs up by, you know, eight months from today's date. So people can enroll and we need to meet this. And this was passed down. I, that same week, my second week in the job went to go talk about this in the departments of history and the departments of religious studies surrounded by faculty who basically came and they wanted my head. They had never even met me, but they already had a preconceived notion of what was going on. And I walked into these meetings with the assumption that since essentially all of our bosses said this needed to be done, we were going to try to work together and make this happen. And very long story short, I joke that I got stoned in history and crucified in religion in the span of a day because (laughs) I made the assumption that because someone who has authority over them said that this needed to happen, that people would be willing to work together to make it happen. And I was miserably wrong. Mm. And what else I learned was that whenever you can combat uh, negativity with just a sheer agreement, it really takes people off their guard. So the two lessons are number one, going into it, don't assume because you're supposed to do it that people are on board with it. That's why communicating for buy-in and getting that mutuality is so important. And then number two is one of the professors, well, we do public speaking in our classes and this is how the capstone works and you can't replicate that online. And I looked him dead in the eye and said, you're right, you can't do public speaking online, but you can do mediated speaking. And depending on what career path the student takes, that may just as, if not more important, silence the entire room. But it's simply because I agreed with him on his point and he didn't know where to go from that. So it's always instead of looking for why your product or service can be better, it's finding places where you can agree with people on a point that could potentially be of contention and then pivoting it so that it does make sense within their case, within their situation. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I love how you put that. Agree with the other person, whether it's the people in your own business, whether it's someone across the table from you as a prospect, but then kind of pivot and uh, show up with with what you wanted to bring to the table as a, yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but let's take a look at it from this angle as well. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Is that correct? It is. And so many people, when you go into meetings, you're looking to, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you know, put the measuring stick on the table and it's like, oh, I have this and I have this and I'm better and blah, blah, blah. And we don't go into meetings with a mindset for agreement. We often go in with the mindset to prove something or to, you know, achieve an end goal, which you need goal oriented meetings, but there's a big purpose there. And if you can actually go in and find places where you agree and then pivot, so it's agree and then pivot, you're going to have more success in the meeting. Because that opens it up for a discussion much more than, uh, yeah, sure, you're right, but no, 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 let's go this other way. It's really identifying the points of agreement and complimenting people on that too. Like, you know what, Scott, I do agree with that and I can see why that is important here. Let me just present another way to look at it. Jill, we are now entering the randomness round, but before we do, let's take one moment to learn something brand new that's going on. Hacker Nation, do you feel stuck in your business or maybe even hitting a plateau? Maybe you're not sure how to market effectively, drive leads or get new clients or become more productive, or maybe you're just not quite sure how to scale or go big in your business. And you're absolutely going to love this. I have a free training on how to go from where you're at right now to sustaining and creating a seven-figure business. No fluff, no selling, no BS, straight content and teachings on how to scale your business. Oh, and by the way, It's 100% free 
for a limited time only. So if you want to sign up for this free training, just go to bigbusinesswebinar.com. Write this down, bigbusinesswebinar.com. That's bigbusinesswebinar.com to grab your free spot. Okay, Jill, we are now back and going to enter the randomness round. It's kind of like putting you on the success hackers version of the hot seat. Whatever Wait, is, the is there f- theme music? I'm ready for the theme music. <laughs> Jill Schiffelbein, are you ready for the randomness round? I'm ready. Best advice you've ever received? Don't talk about it, be about it. What's a daily habit that you do sometime throughout the day that puts you in a great frame of mind? Before I go to bed every night, I make sure I have my to-do list for the next day so I'm not laying in bed milling it over in my mind. You now own a time machine. I want you to travel back in time to when you were 25 years old again. What advice would your current self, knowing about life and business, give your 25-year-old self? Start creating content now, even if you don't have a formal brand or a platform, get a URL with your name on it and just start putting stuff out there. What's the one trait that you have that's contributed to your success? Resiliency. What's a hidden talent that you have that most people, Jill, may not know about you? Well, I kind of hinted earlier, I crochet like a freaking ninja. Wow, we have 114 episodes later. We've never had a crochet ninja on the program. This is amazing. What's one book that you've read that's made an impact on your business? Uh, Jeff Jarvis's What Would Google Do? looks at how Google's paradigm could be applied in multiple industries. And I think that's just a good way for anyone to think through how their solutions might work in different spaces. If you can recommend one social media tool or overall service to our Hacker Nation, what would that be? I am in love right now with Meet Edgar. Jill, you are now officially off the randomness round hot seat. This has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for sharing these incredible success strategies and hacks with our Hacker Nation. Where can our listeners find out more about you, your business, and of course, your book? Woohoo! This has been so much fun. Thank you, Scott. I like <laughs> the randomness round. Those are good. So uh, I am everywhere on social at Dynamic Jill. My last name is a pain, so just Dynamic Jill everywhere. My business is The Dynamic Communicator. You can look up dynamiccommunicationbook.com. And I am going to, uh, I already actually sent Scott while we were chatting the link where you can get that awesome webinar about YouTube. And he, I, I'm a bad email marketer in the sense you don't even have to give me your email. Just like go to the site and look at the web. And if you like it, you know, share it or send some love my way, but whatever, go that resource. It's awesome. Our Hacker Nation is all about sending the love, Jill. So we will send the love and Hacker Nation. If you want all the information that Jill just shared, go to successhackers.net. That's the, uh, that's the URL successhackers.net for this episode. Show notes and recap from today's incredible interview with Jill, along with some other really cool resources we have on the site. Oh, don't forget when you're on the site, don't forget to click subscribe so that you get all the latest and newest episodes. And remember, if you're looking to explode your business this year, head over to Big Business Webinar. That's bigbusinesswebinar.com to grab your free spot. This is Scott Hansen saying thanks again for listening to another episode of Success Hackers. Until the next show, go out and live with passion.